Today's roundtable session with Beverly Baker and Kelly Sayer is focused on safety while traveling, and I thought it made a nice compliment to my interview with Tracy Bliss Buckley last week. It's an interesting conversation, and I learned quite a lot from them. I think that you will find some very helpful insights and tips in today's discussion. Here we go. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light on what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillicourt-Rude. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Gillicourt-Rude. And today I'm bringing back on the show two of our favorite guests, Beverly Baker and Kelly Sayer. We are going to have a roundtable conversation about safety when you are traveling. And they both have a lot of information and insight to bring. And I'm sure if you listen to our situational awareness conversation, you will recognize how funny they both are and how their insights are (laughs) both different and very compatible, I guess would be a good word for that. So they both bring a lot to the table. And I think between the three of us, I don't know how many years of of travel we have, but it's probably quite a lot. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Beverly and Kelly. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I'm excited for this because I love traveling. Yeah. Well, cool. To get started, I'd love to just hear from each of you the places that you have traveled. So, Beverly, where have you been? Where have I been? Um, (laughs) Within the United States, I have lived in the Northeast, Texas and California. I have driven the length of the country, maybe not all at once, but I've driven between Texas and PA a number of times, and then California and Texas. And then internationally, I have been to start still sticking with North America, uh, Canada, <laughs> Mexico, and then getting outside the U.S. I've been to Africa. I've been to Botswana, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. I have been to in Europe, uh, Spain, England. I feel like I'm missing something there. I'm definitely missing something there. And then I was in the former, it used to be the USSR, now Russia, been there. So that was that's how long ago it was. Um, and then I've also <laughs> been to Scandinavia and to Finland. Oh, so cool. Kelly, how about you? You know, I grew up in the Midwest, went to school in Wisconsin, spent a summer in South Carolina, lived in Southern California for a few years, did a road trip from central Minnesota to Seattle and back. So that was quite the interesting road trip when you talk about going through all the seasons in one trip. Wow. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel to Barcelona, Dublin, Ireland. I was able to go to Haiti a couple of years ago and Australia. So really have had the very fortunate privilege of, of getting a lot of international travel in lately. And otherwise I was always one, like I love road trips. And if you say, Hey, let's get on a plane and go here. I'm like, okay, sounds good. I, I just love going new places and meeting new people, experiencing new things. Oh, great. Well, I think between the three of us, we probably cover almost the entire globe. My, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I, I grew up in Oklahoma, but my family traveled quite a bit. So I lived in England 
two or three separate times, lived in France, lived in India for a year, every time went back to Oklahoma, which was kind of funny. And then I went to, gosh, in the U.S., Florida, Ohio, Massachusetts, Southern California, Northern California, you know, traveled around for business trips and things in different places. And then, golly, in my college years, after my college years, I went on a women's studies tour of Europe and and we went through the Netherlands, Yugoslavia, which doesn't exist anymore either, but we were there in Sarajevo, actually, and Germany. I'm trying to remember where else we actually went, but, you know, big old loop through there and wound, wound back up again in England. So I think the only place, the only continents I haven't been to is I haven't been to South America or Africa and Australia. That's on my list though. I've got family there. So one of these days. Oh, I loved Australia. <laughs> Good. I've, I'm looking forward to eventually getting over there. So between the three of us, we have stepped foot on many different parts of the planet and probably at many different times of life as well. And what I'd like to do today is to look at a couple of different aspects of travel safety. One is things that you can do before you actually leave for a trip. And another is things that you can do while you are in transit, like during the actual travel process. And the third is when you are somewhere else, what are the things that you have to think about? So let's start with what you can do before you ever leave home that will help you be safer when you travel. Beverly, what are your thoughts on that? Research, know where you're going. And that, you know, I think actually before I go there, it's like you've got to know who you are and why you're traveling and who you're traveling with, you know, so no matter what we cover today, you know, I'm used to either traveling by myself or with my spouse. So I don't have kids. You know what I mean? I think Kelly could be more of an expert on on that or, or, or Cynthia. But, you know, there there's some universal truths that apply. But, you know, when you're planning and you're researching where you're going, you know, think about, okay, does this make sense for me as a single woman to go here? Okay, does this make sense for me, you know, having some kids to go to this particular neighborhood or that kind of thing? So, Given whatever your personal circumstances are, you know, research, make sure that where you're going is a good fit for you. Understand a little bit about the culture. And so a part of this, I, I, I'm such a nerd. I love history. I love <laughs> So like, you know, when I was in Spain a couple of, or before I went to Spain a couple of years ago, I mean, I studied like for eight months, like I came home, I was like practicing my Spanish and was like reading on all the, the culture and the background, the history of the city. So so I, I, I could probably take a little overboard. <laughs> you might, you know, but, you know, really, by the time I got there, you know, there was like a, a familiarity I already had, you know, and this was by like looking at Google Maps and knowing where we're going to stay and like, OK, there's our map. And I want to I know I want to go here, here and here. And, you know, like, what's the best route? And none of that was done out of fear, like, oh, my God, people are going to like, you know, you know, jump me or anything. It, it was more just out of curiosity. And it was more out of just wanting to understand the lay of the land. I'm also just a big map nerd. And then using Google Maps is fantastic. You know, you can get a sense of your neighborhood, you can get a sense of the neighborhoods you're going to be walking through before you go. And so, you know, you have a sense of familiarity. And then a part of that research, too, is, you know, just Google, like, you know, going to Spain, I, I remember we Googled, Key phrases like the best neighborhoods, the worst neighborhoods, 
you know, types of crime in an area because types of crime vary from city to city and country to country. So things you might need to be concerned about in one area, like aren't really on the radar for another. Kelly, you were talking about Barcelona Lake. You know, pickpocketing is a thing. It's like one of the capitals of the world for pickpocketing. And just knowing that ahead of time, Brian, my husband and I, we just played a game of spot the pickpocket. And we were like <laughs> spotting them as they were spotting us. And that just kind of became a, a big part of it. So as much as you can, and this is, I don't know how much of this is just my bias, but I really think, you know, if you're going to bother to go to a place, even if it is for work, um, you know, this may be a, you know, I used to have to go to Chicago a lot for, for a previous job, but I, you know, you still do that, right? It's like, it's business travel is different than pleasure, but you know, as much as you can, like just understand the environment, if this is for work, you know, chat with your colleagues, you know, what are the best places to go? Like what's near the office, you know, get recommendations. So just, you know, be as familiar as you can before you go. And so then that way, when you're there, you're not learning on the, on the fly when you've got a lot of stimulus coming in of a new environment. Great. Kelly, what things do you do to get ready before you leave home? I'm definitely echoing what Beverly said about doing a lot of research ahead of time. And, you know, if you love and you're going somewhere more pleasure and more touristy, you're going to visit to experience it today on a personal trip. Definitely, you know, spend as much time, check out the list, you know, top 10 things to see at that location. And like Beverly said, too, even if you're going on business, still do some research. You might not have as much free time to go see sites, but I very specifically use the street view in Bing Maps or, or Google Maps, whatever you use. Because, for instance, you know, you can, this is maybe a real thing. The first time I went to New York City, or actually it was the second time I went to New York City, I was in my mid-30s but I had never ridden a subway ever. And where we were staying, I was going to have one night to myself and I really wanted to go see the 9-11 Memorial Museum. And so I couldn't walk. It was too far for me to walk. And at the time of day, so I was like, okay, it's early afternoon. I'll take the subway. And I literally did street view so I could see what does the entrance to the subway look like? Cause you're going to go down underground. And then I realized as I kept pushing to go forward, that whoever had done it had actually videoed or taken pictures as they were walking through and getting to the platform where they got onto the subway. So I was able to walk through the ticket gate, walk to where I would need to get on the, the subway. So I was like, oh, okay, now I know what I'm looking for. Therefore, I won't be that person looking all around at all the signs, standing out as obviously someone who's not from here, doesn't know where she's going, you know, which just to me, attracts the wrong kind of attention. I want to look like I'm walking in, I know where I'm going. And, you know, I read all the tips, get your Metro card, you can get it at the airport, when you land instead of trying to get it at the station. So that way, I look like I was a local, I went in, used my Metro card, I knew visually what I was looking for, where I was going, and felt very safe. And then I did that. when I was going to Barcelona, knowing I was going to land, be by myself, needed to get to the hotel. And so I was able to literally walk through the Barcelona airport. So I knew what the signs looked like, how to get to baggage claim, where to catch a cab. And then as a woman, I'd like to look and see what does the outside of my hotel look like? 
because some hotels are in a very like a clump, you know, and they, you know, maybe the taxi drops you off and says, there's your hotel. And you're like, oh, okay. You get out and you're like, where's my hotel? Which one's my hotel? And so having that visual, so I know that the taxi is taking me in the right place, is dropping me off. If I have to go to an offsite meeting or, hey, I'm going to meet this client for breakfast before the conference stops, and they suggested this coffee shop near the conference or convention center, what does that coffee shop look like? Because again, I want to go and have as much familiarity with the area that I possibly can to know I'm in the right place. I know, you know, I know what to look for. So I'm not spending as much time because, you know, we've all done it where we look around and we don't know what we're looking for. And a local will be like, well, it's right there. It says right there on the sign. And you're like, oh, the sign that I was totally looking at, but didn't see. And so having that ahead of time, one thing that my husband makes me do, (laughs) like suggest makes me do, I should say, is I scan in on our personal computer at home, my passport, my driver's license, my credit cards, the front and back, and then email the documents to him or just save them to my desktop. And that way, if I call him and I'm like, I've lost all of my stuff, he can electronically send all of those numbers so I can call or he can call and cancel the cards. He has the numbers. He has the expiration date. So we always kind of have that scanned and ready to go. His suggestion is always to save it to the cloud. So that way, if like both him and I are traveling somewhere and, you know, we're pickpocketed and all of our information, all we need is an internet connection to access that information and be able to know who to call and the numbers. Again, a lot of it's just that preparation and and doing your due diligence before you get there. So that way you're not going to stand out as as someone who's not from there. That's really important. I think that you don't actually look like a tourist walking around. And I know, you know, for some people, they don't really care about that. They don't mind looking like they're on vacation or, or traveling, but it is a way to set yourself up to be a target. So I I love all of those tips. Those are, those are great things that you can do before you leave. And I honestly had not ever thought about using one of those mapping tools to actually get the lay of the land. So I, I love that idea of basically electronically scouting the territory before you go. That's, that's great. That's cool. (laughs) I've actually, you know, you mentioned that with like VRBO and Airbnbs because believe it or not, like I always joke, pictures on the internet can be filtered. I know that's a huge surprise for everyone, but if you're renting an Airbnb or VRBO and you're like, that's such a cute place because they're going to take it in the best light. And I always look around at the neighborhood that it's in just to make sure it's not in a sketchy neighborhood or an industrial area where, okay, this place is going to look very different at night, you know? That's a really good point. I've been here about nine years now. I live in Hollywood and I live a block and a half off of the Walk of Fame. And like, you know, we're the Chinese theaters, like right around the corner, like we are in tourist central and (laughs) um, more and more Airbnbs are popping up and the area is gentrifying, but there's one particular building I can think of that is so many Airbnb rentals and families are coming. And I'll tell you what, like if I could say to them before them coming, I'd be like, do not stay in that place. It's, it's off of a place called crack alley. And it's, it's just like a single 
dude or like, you know, young people could probably handle it, but I would never bring like children to that environment. Cause then you're like having to like wrangle the kids and it's just like way dicey. So I, I love that advice. Like, I mean, I'm not sure really how it works because with Airbnb, you don't have the address until you book. So I guess you could always cancel depending on the cancellation policy, but for sure, what Kelly's saying, if you, if you are staying at an Airbnb, look at the neighborhood, especially if you've got little ones in tow. And also too, regarding not looking like a tourist, kind of um, the truth, the ugly truth though, is you're going to look like a tourist, right? <laughs> at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and so like the game Brian and I, my husband and I play, it's like, let's spot the local, like in our neighborhood, right? That's actually harder. So what we look for, and we, we play the game of, you know, okay, if you're going to be the bad guy, who would you target? And so if in a sea of everybody who is a tourist, like there's people who stand out more so than others. And I think that's why the prep that we've been talking about is so important because you know what? You're on vacation. You should have a camera around your neck and not be fearful. And you want to take a cute picture in front of the Hollywood sign or wherever you happen to be going. That's cool. But, you know, there's really bad habits that we see. Like, you know, people will like families. I This one, it's like they're all wearing matching T-shirts that say Gonzalez family vacation. It's like, just <laughs> don't stop with the painting the targets on your back. Like, you know, if you do the research that Kelly was talking about, that I was talking about, and Cynthia, you were mentioning aspects of research, you know, if you can do that, you're going to be way ahead of the game and not, you know, because even though you will look like a tourist, because you're not going to like know the local customs, you may have, re even if you've researched them, you're still going to stand out a little bit, but you just don't want that big like spotlight on yourself that only you are putting there by, by those kind of bad habits. Are there any like products or tools that you take along with you when you travel? You want to grab that Kelly or you want me to go? Oh, sure. You know, for me, I always take my flashlight. <laughs> if I'm going to talk about one tool, because I know the flashlight can go on the airplane with me, it can go wherever I go, it can always be in my purse. And that's, you know, what I like my everyday personal protection tool that I keep on me because it makes me feel safer when I'm walking about, when I'm doing things. And so that's one thing that I carry on me at all times that I think, yeah, no matter where I'm going, because otherwise there's so many variables about what I'm doing or where I'm going that it always changes. Oh, I do bring what I call my, you know, my man's, my men's wallet. And I only stick, you know, my driver's license and one credit card and some cash in it. I don't bring my whole normal purse that I carry around at home. I, I bring a handbag that's a little bit smaller. It's only got limited things in it. But yeah, off the top of my head, that's what I can think of. What kind of a flashlight? Um, it's my J5 tactical flashlight that I carry and then I sell as well um, through Diamond Arrow Group. It's, it's nice. It's small, compact, fits in my hand, 300 lumens, so it's really bright. It uses a AA battery, which I have a plethora of at my house because of two small children, and it's got a beveled edge. So worst case scenario, if I would get into a situation where someone tried to attack me, it has edges that, as my husband likes to say, is a good DNA collection point. Cool. That's interesting <laughs> also to me that you mentioned your purse and your, your ID cards and things, because... One of the things that I do is I have both a purse and a little tiny card holder 
that are RFID protectors. So people can't just mm. pick up uh, yeah. all their electronic information off my credit card and stuff. So that's a, that's another thing. You can get things like that through damsel and defense, and you can also get a really cool tactical flashlight from them too. Um, those are on my website and I think I put mm-hmm. them under my, some of my favorite products. Beverly, are there any particular tools that you like to take? Well, it depends on where I am and what I need. And, you know, do I need my passport and, you know, like, like that. So let's just say kind of, I need the most amount of stuff. Then if I'm like more international, I do, you know, cash in a money belt, like against my body, but then I have, you know, a couple of bucks, maybe in separate pockets. I hope no one's listening, gonna <laughs> casing me here, <laughs> giving all my tips, but I have money kind of spread out on my body. And then kind of like the backup close to my body. And I would ne- like, I don't even ever go into that publicly. So that's where things that I just have to stay on my skin, so to speak. In terms of also carrying stuff around, I, I like to travel light. And this is just like my, my style anyway. I don't like to, I don't even like to carry a purse. I just like to go um, and, and just like keep things small and on my body. But if I need like some kind of a little small backpack, I have a back sack, they're called, with the drawstring at the top and then the zipper, a single zipper that I turn around on my body. Brian, my husband, is a photographer, so he's a lot more high maintenance than I am, (laughs) kind of a reversal of uh, gender roles with carrying stuff around. So we attach um, carabiners and things like that, even locks as needed to the zippers so no one can get in there. And then the backpack is secured so, you know, sure, someone could come, kind of try to rip it off, but it's not just slung over one shoulder, it's secured on his body. So that's kind of those tools. And then in terms of a self-defense, I like things that don't look like weapons that, you know, I mean, if you try to do pepper spray or mace, you're not going to be able to carry that on, you have to wait and, and check that. But I just have keys on a piece of rope that, I mean, it just looks so innocent to look at it. It's like, oh, I just latched the keys around my wrist. So it's easy to carry, but it also has heavy and and pointy and not nice things. So if (laughs) I need to defend myself, you don't want to be on the other end of that. And what I like about it is it's all very functional, right? It's not like I'm walking around with a three inch blade looking like, you know, what's the guy crocodile Dundee, you know, (laughs) So, and, and, and it has, Kelly talks about the flashlight. I don't, I don't use a tactical flashlight, but I have like a little mini flashlight for the purposes of light, you know? So there's all these like little gadgety things. Kelly, we talked about doing a purse dump the other day. We should definitely do that. How the we should everyday carry is like different for women and men and (laughs) right. Yeah. And, uh, mine's going to have like five different kinds of lip gloss on it and (laughs) that kind of thing. So, so for me, it's, it's, um, I guess the theme is, you know, things tight close to my body, as few access points as possible. And then, you know, any kind of weapon just kind of, or something that could be used as a weapon doesn't necessarily look like a weapon to raise any alarms. No, those are great too. You're just reminding me of a couple of my favorite little producty things that I like to have with me when I travel. One is it's a tactical pen from Damsel in Defense. And it's one mm-hmm. of those, that it, it doesn't look like anything other than a pen, but it has some really cool features to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it works as a pen because everybody needs to write. And that's nice. something that you can carry with you wherever you go. That's That's part of my normal stuff. And then if I'm going to be staying in a hotel or an Airbnb or somewhere like that where I don't know what the physical security is like, I actually take a little 
doorstop along with me. You can actually use it in Windows too, but it's it's an alarm doorstop, so you can stick it up against your hotel door or yes, you know, uh, in between room. I love door. those. Yep. Yeah, I like to have that too, and uh, yeah, those are two of the things that I like to to take along with me. So, what are some of the things that you think about then when you are actually in transit? I guess most international travel now is by by plane. It could be by boat, like on a cruise. But what are some of the things that you think about in terms of staying safe when you're in some other form of transit? So, yeah, I was going to say, I think the only thing that I've ever in transit has been, you know, riding in an airplane other and then that one, the one experience I've had on a subway, but taxis and Ubers. Um, because a lot of times once we get to the airport, we need to get to our hotel or get to kind of that next where we're going to be staying. So I'm going to focus on the ride share or, or getting a ride is when I get in, I typically try and find taxis because I feel like a lot of times with Uber and, and now I just read something about LAX and Beverly, you could probably talk oh. about this, is, is put the, <laughs> the kibosh on Uber at LAX. Is a, I haven't been there, but I've seen the pictures. There's anyway, that's a logistics but, problem. That's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, leads back to our research where you're going and what you're going to do. But I always take a picture of the taxi cab placard, driver's placard. So it has their information, you know, the name, the taxi company number just so that it's in my phone. Because again, a lot of times, all of our phones back up to the cloud. So if I would go missing or something would happen, there's a digital record of what taxi I was in, you know, and at what time, kind of like a timestamp. I always sit kitty corner in the back seat from the driver so I can see what the driver is doing. Don't sit in the front seat next to them. Sit in the back, uh, make sure the doors are functioning when you're getting in a taxi, like make sure that the child lock isn't on, so to speak. And, and that if you open the door, even when it's locked, it automatically unlocks and lets you out. That, that type of thing. It, it, you know, when we go over, if you're using an Uber, is always make them verify your name, verify the license plate, verify the make and model of the car, the color of the car. And I know that for women, sometimes that's hard because they're like, I don't know cars. It's, just a car and it's purple. Okay. Well then make sure that they verify your name and the license plate. And one thing that I actually had happen when I was traveling in Australia, I was with my travel buddy, um, another female and our Uber driver, obviously in Australia, we don't have Australian accents, so we are not locals. And he was dropping us off at our hotel and he was like, you know, making a small talk, but again, this is that context matters is why are you interviewing me? Be aware of what questions are being asked. How long are you staying? And at the time we were like, oh, we leave tomorrow. This was our last, you know, kind of excursion out. You know, we got to get some sleep. We're leaving. And he's like, well, what's your number? You know, or he gave us his card. And then he said, well, what's your number? And you can just use me to take you to the airport tomorrow. And I was like, well, we have your card. We can give you a call. He's like, no, no, no. What's your number? You know, that way I can call you and let you know when I'm outside. And I was like, we have your number or we have your card. We will give you a call in the morning if we need it. And I mean, he kept, he was very persistent about wanting our information, which 
no, <laughs> but I have your card. And that was very, to me, odd behavior. So right away, as soon as we got out of the car, I threw the card away. Because again, with those type of vehicles or, you know, those ride shares, you, they are, you can get anybody. If there's a driver you really like, and you would like to use them again, great. But if they're trying too hard to be your driver, ask yourself why, and always pay attention to what questions they're asking you as they're making small talk and they're dropping you off. How long are you in town? Are you here by yourself? You know, do you come here often? Just be very aware. And also if you're on the phone with, let's say you landed, you're calling your spouse and letting them know, yep, I'm safe. I'm on my way to the hotel. Be careful of how much information you're saying out loud while you're on the conversation with a person because they're listening to all of that. And you just never know. You just never know who that driver is. And it's amazing how much information we give out without realizing who's listening. Yeah. In fact, I like to play that as a game on the train. I take the train every day downtown and it's like, it's amazing what people will give out. And I've seen people, I know what their passwords are. Of course, I'm never going to act on it, but (laughs) it's stunning what people will do. Yeah. Beverly, can you expand a little bit on other things that you do when you're traveling, like actually in transit in, in other sorts of transportation? Yeah. So for transit, and this can apply, you know, daily life, if you take the train, the metro, that kind of thing. Um, But certainly, you know, if you're in an airport, you know, kind of taking more, uh, less frequent types of travel, which you would maybe not do every day. Um, One thing to consider is your baggage. Like, can I manage this? Do I have so many bags that I can't manage it? Personally, I like to, again, depends on the the trip and where I'm going. But you know, if, if I'm going someplace really cool, like, my bag is practically empty because I'm just going to be buying stuff and <laughs> checking it and to come home. I mean, I, it's like I've got a very fun wardrobe. And so that personally is for me. But at the same time, like I don't have a lot of bags. Like if it doesn't fit in that bag, then then it's just not going to happen. One, because you don't want to schlep it around. I learned this at a very young age, train hopping when we were in Russia. And I, I didn't know this lesson and I had to just carry everything. And um, that's one, it's just a pain in the ass, but it also makes it easy, you know, for people to lift stuff. So, you know, think about, you know, can I carry this? Do I have enough bags? You know, and, and again, if you're going to have kids with you, that's going to be, you know, added stuff you're going to have to manage. Uh, a class I taught, this was going before the going off to college season a few months ago, I was working with some families prepping their kids to go off to school and they were going to be taking the train for the first time. And we were talking about, okay, you're on BART, you're on wherever you're going, whatever Metro station or Metro subway service, what do you do with your bags? And it's like easy enough if you've got a backpack, but then I, it's like, I brought them another backpack and I gave them a, a kick pad to pretend was a bag. And what they said was, oh, well, I would hold on to it. I would do this or that. But when I asked them to practice it just in the comfort of their living room, you know, pretending that the couch was the, the metro seat, it, 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 everything was just spread out. And it's like, no, actually go ahead and put this thing on your lap, this thing on top of that. You put your arm through here and put your leg, you know, if you've got stuff down at your feet, like lap, wrap your foot through the strap there. It's like, okay, now you're secure. And so that might take a little bit of practice and it would be, it would be worth doing. So if you know you're going to be sitting on a train, if you know you're going to be sitting, waiting at a airport, waiting for your, your flight, you know, can I secure 
my, my things either to my body, or you can even latch them to the chair you're on. So have a plan for that. Don't, don't go in and just like have all your bags and everything's floating around, especially true. When I travel by myself, um, I, I prefer traveling with Brian. Cause then I get to like, Oh, go use the restroom. And he watches the bags. But if you don't have that luxury, you're going to have to manage your bags for sure. Oh, my mind is just going, whoa, listen to all of these things that I haven't really thought about in such depth. <laughs> it's just great. I, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because oh. I learned so much just listening to you guys. You know. <laughs> so that's great. And what, one other thing too, and we see this on, on Hollywood Boulevard when people are here on vacation, but I also see it a lot with people in transit and the, and that people will wear where they're from or they'll wear like this thing like you know I'm in LA but I'm wearing you know Philadelphia Eagles shirt or whatever and you know on one hand that's fine but you can kind of go overboard with that it really does it's one of those things that puts a spotlight on you and an example of this is I was on the metro train going to work one day and there was a family it was it was two older women who were the moms and there was maybe three or four young teenage girls amongst them Every single one of them had on whatever town they were from, let's just say King City Wildcats. And the other girl had like her name on her water bottle with the King City logo. And like one of them had King City Volleyball. So I got to work and I looked up King City Volleyball. I was able to find their high school uh, what do you call it? High school uh, online roster roster. Yeah. I was able to find all this stuff and then I was able to find them. So now I know her last name. So then I could go on Facebook. Now this is like me, I have no plans. And like, they were already, they were going to union station. I could figure that out. So they go to the, you know, wherever they were going next. Actually, they were going to San Diego. Again, these are things that I <laughs> picked up. Drop, yeah. And so it's, so it's like, again, these are folks who are advertising as much as they can about themselves. And it's like, you know, even if you just wore one like thing that said King City on it, it probably wouldn't have caught my attention. But the fact that you're this walking billboard for your high school and the fact that, you know, you play lacrosse and you play softball and you play volleyball, it's just that's way too much information for the general public. Oh, that's such a good example, Beverly. Like, again, you think so innocently, but the people who are going to target you they are going to you. I mean, there's just so much information out there about people that you don't even think about. You're like, yeah. Oh, and then pretty soon you're like, Oh, you Google their name and Oh, they were mentioned in an article or Hey, now there's a picture, you know, for whatever reason in front of what their house is. It's just be very mindful of the information you're freely putting out there. Yeah. So let's move on from the actual in transit part to once you've arrived at your destination, when you are either where your vacation is going to be or where your work event is going to be, what are some of the things that you do once you have arrived there? Beverly, you want to start this one? Yeah, sure. So when I'm a nester, so when I get to my hotel, <laughs> I like have to unpack and like put everything in its place. And I just, I just have to do that like right away. Um, and so I do, and I, you know, I just, I make sure everything's working. I make sure that, you know, there's no reason someone would have to come from that comes from the hotel. Um, I do request ahead of time a room between the second and the sixth floor. I don't like being on the bottom floor. But if you're above the sixth floor, they talk about how fire trucks, ladders can't reach up there. So I like to be kind of in the middle there. 
that, but you also have to keep in mind if I'm traveling just with my husband or by myself, that's a, like, if I'm traveling with kids or with elderly, you might want to be on the bottom floor. So everything this says, it's like, you have to try it on. Does this make sense for my life? So I, so I get there. That's the kind of rooms I like to request. I like to be, um, kind of out of the way and over by the stairwell. So I can get a quick exit as needed. But then I, I do, I nest like crazy and I have Cynthia, you noticed or mentioned one of those alarms. I love those that you just kind of slide in between the door crack at night. I of course lock and use all the bars and everything. And then just put that little alarm in there in case someone has a key to come in, it will go off. So I love that. So that's just kind of the basics with the hotel. And then when I'm out and about, Honestly, I feel like, you know, if I've done my homework and I know where I'm going and I know what I want, you know, you just kind of on one hand follow that plan, but I, but also you just kind of have fun. (laughs) You know, I, I feel like I've done my homework ahead of time, so I don't need to overly stress, but I stay alert. I stay aware of what's happening and just kind of really enjoy it. I know that sounds anticlimactic, but (laughs) that's kind of where I am with it. Well, that makes so much sense to me because if you've done all of the preparation, you've done your due diligence and and you're not walking out into the great unknown, you can just relax a bit more and do what it is you're there to do. I mean, that's the goal. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly, what, what things do you do once you arrive to wherever it was you were headed? You know, I'm, I'm similar as Beverly. I like to nest in. <laughs> I've never heard of it like explained that way, but I'm like, yes, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> you get I, it. <laughs> because I do not iron. So I want to hang up my clothes so oh, that they're not yeah. all wrinkled yeah. as soon as possible. I like to snack a lot. Like I'm a person who needs to eat every few hours. So I always have food with, so I always like to put that out or if anything needs to be refrigerated, if there's a refrigerator in my room. So I just kind of just get my base, settle. Okay, good to go. I always use the do not disturb sign. I put that on the outside of my room the entire time because I've never stayed at a hotel longer than I personally wash my sheets at home. So I actually have the do not disturb sign on the entire time I'm there just to lessen the impact of having somebody when I'm not there come in my room. You know, I, I just, it's, let's just leave it at that. I'm not accusing, you know, housekeepers of being thieves or anything, but I just don't, want people coming in my room and rummaging through my stuff. I don't want to have to pack everything up. And in that same token, I don't typically travel with high value items, you know, leave those expensive watches or expensive jewelry at home. So I just kind of make sure, you know, but with like my passport, I do make sure that that's tucked away and hidden in like my, you know, in a little side pocket of some suitcase or something like that. One thing I do because, and this seems kind of trivial, but I typically drive myself to the airport where I live. And so I keep my car keys on me while I'm flying because in case my luggage gets lost. And then once I get to my hotel or my destination, I move my car keys from my person into my luggage. So that way, if my purse would get stolen while I'm traveling, my car keys aren't in there. So that's just kind of a little thing that I always make sure to do. And two, with that do not disturb sign, if there's a knock at my door and it's unsolicited, I do not open the door. Like I will, you know, be like, I think you have the wrong number. I'm not looking for any housekeeping or, you know, I didn't order room service. 
I just am very aware of, I didn't ask someone to come to my room. Therefore I'm not opening my door. This is kind of ahead of time, but also I follow the local law enforcement page, whether that's a police department or, you know, depending on what country I'm in, just to kind of do that research of what the typical crimes are. But then while I'm there, I will frequent that page to see, okay, are there something going on? You know, are there an area town where maybe let's say a traffic accident or maybe there's been a crime committed and you just need to avoid this area. So again, just trying to be as much of a local and get that local information. And if I'm traveling internationally, I always make sure I know where the U.S. embassy is in relation to where I'm staying while I'm there. So as long as I have all of that, like I'm all about, let's get out and walk around the city and explore because I've done my due diligence. I've done my research. Now I just, I want to enjoy what I'm here for. I want to find a local mom and pop and go have a really good meal and a glass of wine. We need to vacation together. Okay. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like good. we, and that's how I like to travel. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> where, where should we go? Is Beverly and Cynthia? Let's girls trip. Oh, totally. I am totally down. <laughs> Somewhere none of us have been yet. Exactly. Well, none of us, it sounds like, have hit Asia. So that might be uh, where to go. go. Yeah. All right. Thailand it is. Done. Sounds good. <laughs> Well, we have covered so much ground in this conversation, you know, with what you could do before you ever leave your own home to go somewhere, and then what you can do while you're on the way in transit, and then what you can do once you've reached your destination. Is there anything else that comes to mind that people should know about how they can enhance their safety when they travel? One thing that stands out for me is in doing your research, as I, you know, I'm a big research nerd, is to always consider the source of that research. You know, there's a lot of blogs out there that, you know, they thrive by getting clicks, right? And then different people have different gauges and measures for what is safe and not safe. I mean, there's certainly things we can agree on. But, you know, if, if you do your research and, and you kind of find a consensus of opinions, like go with that. But the reason I bring this up is I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times people get just really whipped up into a frenzy based on what they've heard. And Mm -hmm. an example of this is I was on the train not too long ago, and there was these three guys who were um, in their mid 20s, maybe late 20s. And the train had actually we got to the end of the line, and I actually screwed up not being situationally aware, and I got on the wrong train. And so I just had to wait for the train to turn around as did they. And they started panicking and they were like talking to me and they were like, is the train safe? Is the train safe? And they were, they were, they didn't know where they were going. And I'm like, yeah, dudes, the train is safe. Like these are young men in their twenties. They were like, they clearly worked out. They were like strong buff dudes. And they were telling me, yeah, our friends told us it wasn't safe. And I'm like, okay, just calm down. (laughs) You're going to be fine. You know, it's like what young men like that are more at risk of like, you know, and I live right off the club district in Hollywood is just going to a club that night, getting hammered and getting into a fight with somebody or getting jumped because you're drunk, right? So you're not necessarily going to be three strong young men on a train that should be terrified. So kind of keep things in proportion to reality. And I get it. You don't know where you're going. So you don't know what that is, but just kind of think about what your victim profile is. Like, so these three young men, I was way more at risk of them when I talked to them. <laughs> and in fact, I have this whole blog article about like my mental processes. Like I'm like, they look so scared, but they look so helpless. I don't, you know, anyway, 
So it's, you know, again, we, so I got them on the train where they needed to go and they kept asking me about safety. And I'm like, if you don't get wasted and go and get in a fight at a club, you're going to be fine or get so wasted that someone can roll you. You're going to be fine. So just like enjoy the city. So those are my parting words. (laughs) Kelly, anything you want to add? You know, again, just when you're in a new location, a new destination, keep in mind traditions, cultures could be very different than yours. You know, like personal space. In some countries, it's not unusual to be crammed in and have no personal space. Yeah. So be aware of that ahead of time. It should come up in your research. And I like to Beverly's point is careful where you're getting your information, where what your sources of information are. I found a lot of great communities online that specifically tailor to women travelers. And it's not like, oh, be careful, be careful. It's actually quite the opposite of people saying, gosh, travel everywhere and let's just share, hey, what did we learn? You know, if you're reading reviews about a VRBO or an Airbnb and all of the Reviews are fairly positive, but the women commenters seem to have more of a negative aspect. That's something to be aware of. Mm, You know, there's a community called Wonderful that I've just, I just kind of stumbled upon and I've been looking at, but I love, again, they go, Hey, as a woman, we don't want to say you can't travel here. Just here are some things to be aware of that might be culturally different. Women might be viewed different or have different roles. When I, when we first landed in Australia, it was me and another female friend. We were there for a conference and I'll never forget we landed. So we'd been flying. We'd been up for like 24 hours. We're exhausted. You know, our body clocks are way off because of the time change. And this nice older gentleman who had retired there, he had been a doctor. He picked us up from the station that, cause we had to do a plane and then we had to take a train and got from the station to our hotel, and he made the comment, oh, you two lovely young ladies, you're going to get hit on all the time. And it's funny, my mind, my situation in mind process went, oh, okay, maybe Australian men are a little bit more forthcoming or more blunt or more direct. And so it actually took it as a sign of like, I need to be aware that there might be a lot more catcalling or there might be a lot more conversations that I am not showing any interest in, but they just think that that's just how it is. So again, just be very aware of the differences and how people might interact with you and they might not be offensive or they might not mean any, you know, trying to be rude. It's just how they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great insight there. I'm just going to add the two pieces that we haven't talked about yet that I am pretty diligent about doing. One is I always share my itinerary with at least one person in my family, if not Mm -hmm. everybody in my family, so that they know like what my flights are or what my cruise reservations are and what hotels I'm supposed to be at and when and all of that kind of thing. So always make sure that they've got that info. I look for... I do some contingency planning, like, you know, what if I get sick, where would I go? What if, you know, I do get attacked, like where are the police stations? What are some of the ways that they handle situations? Like what would I have to do in those situations? I just try to do a little bit of contingency planning. You know, if I miss my flight and I have to stay an extra day, what would I do? Or if my flight gets canceled and I'm stuck in the 
airport overnight. What can I do? So I try to do that kind of contingency planning. And then the last piece is, you know, we kind of get used to being able to just reach out and talk to somebody with our cell phones here in the U.S., But if we go abroad, that's not necessarily the case. And so I try to find out how can I keep in touch if I want to. And I try to set some expectations with my, like my husband and and my kids. Like, well, I'm not going to be able to use my phone. So, you know, I will have wireless when I'm at my hotel. So I'll be able to connect there and, you know, try to find something out like that so that I do have a way of communicating. Because the last thing I want is to be stuck somewhere abroad and, not have any way to to get back in touch with the people that I need to talk to here. So those those three things are the right. things that I would add that's to the mix. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with and that. And that's it. I, I don't know if. Go ahead. I was going to say one quick thing that you brought that I just want to touch on, Cynthia, since you brought it up, because it's such a good point, is planning ahead for connectivity. I have used WhatsApp a lot in travels, which seems to work very well. I don't know if you guys have any other apps or communication tools that you recommend when you're traveling abroad or maybe in a different area. Brian is really big on um, renting hotspots and you can pick them up at the airport. That's a bit too connected to me for my taste. <laughs> <laughs> You're but trying to get off the map. I know. I'm right. like, yeah, I like, I go to these like off the beaten path places cause I don't, I'm done. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's an option too as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I like to be connected. My husband likes to be completely disconnected. So it's always a little dance we play about <laughs> how we're yeah. going to manage that. But yeah, well, this has just been a great exploration of a lot of different aspects of how you can prepare and how you can manage yourself and your environment so that you can be safe and just enjoy the travel and adventure that you want to have. So thank you, Beverly and Kelly, for coming on the show today and just giving such a great brain dump of all of the tools and tips that <laughs> that you have. This has been great. So thank you very much. Yeah. I, and actually, I, can I share with your audience really quick? I'm developing an online class next year called LA Like a Local, and it will cover basic travel tips that you can use for anywhere, but it will also get into specifics of neighborhoods in Los Angeles, specifically Hollywood, downtown, and uh, Santa Monica, Venice area. And it'll clue you in on some local culture, some local norms, some of the local hustles that you can expect in those different communities and how they will hustle tourists and how to keep an eye out for those. So that is coming next year. So keep in touch, get on my mailing list and you'll be the first to find out about it. That's awesome. I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I'm excited. I hope you take that worldwide eventually. You could travel all around the world and do, you know... Paris like a local and Sydney like a local and like you could deduct all those expenses as business I'm expenses. Game. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am game. I am game. Hey, that's, that's the girl's trip. We'll just travel around and be the, the subject matter experts of how to travel like a local and keeping your safety in mind. Love it. <laughs> business is born. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to say to our listeners, stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. 
Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.